podcast with Tola Dole Fisher. Hello and welcome. This is Woman Alive with me, Tola Dole Fisher. This is the podcast for Christian women where I'm chatting with real women about real life and real faith. Celebrate where you are on the way to where you're trying to get to. And so if that's marriage is what you desire, then you can do what you need to do while you wait for that. But your life doesn't have to be on hold. And sometimes people... People just put everything on hold, just waiting to be married. Mm. And I don't think that that's what God wants of us. The Woman Alive podcast is produced in partnership with Open Doors. Welcome back to the Woman Alive podcast with me, Tola Dolfisher. Today, we're talking about learning to be single. And with me, I have writer Anne Ollivant, composer Caroline Layton and author Andrea Best. As always, we've got a great conversation ahead. But before we get into it, let's find out a little bit more about my guests. So I'm going to ask you one by one. And the two questions I'm going to ask you, um, and we're not going to do, this isn't a test. There are no prizes. It's just to find out more about what you, you what you like or what your preferences are. My two questions are, what is your dream solo travel destination? And secondly, what is your favorite activity to do solo? So what is your dream solo travel destination? And secondly, what is your favorite activity to do solo? And I'm going to ask Anne first for this. Anne, what do you think? Right. Um, It doesn't exist at the moment, but my dream solo travel destination would be to go to Mars. Oh, wow. (laughs) I was not expecting that. Okay. Uh, uh, do you have plans for how you're going to get there? Well, I hope it will be by a rocket or something, but I don't think it's been um, invented yet or it's not it's not safe enough yet. But I, I don't really mind if I don't come back, you know. I'm so <laughs> excited about space travel. I'd just like, love to be, to, going, to be going, yeah. I love that as an answer. Okay, and the second question, what is your favourite activity to do solo? I used to ride um, horses. And uh, I've always wanted to ride um, and follow the old um, route to Jerusalem on horseback. Oh, amazing. Have, have you been to Jerusalem? Yes. Twice. And say so, so you want to do it on horseback? Yes, but not at the moment. Not at the moment, but potentially not. Okay. Um, do you still ride now? When I get the chance. Um, I, it has to be very... A very stable horse, <laughs> <laughs> and it's not got to run off unexpectedly, and it has to be able to be stopped by me. Yes. Okay. So there's a lot of things that have to work for that to happen. Yes. All right, um, Andrea. Uh, what is your dream solo travel destination, and what is your favourite activity to do solo? Okay, so I was trying to think about this because I like travelling a lot. But I haven't been to Mauritius yet, so I think it would probably be to go to Mauritius. Just okay. To see, see what it's like and enjoy that. I have to ask, Mauritius, I think, and Maldives are known as kind of honeymoon destinations. What makes you want to go solo? <laughs> I'm not really sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I, suppose, I suppose they are honeymoon destinations, aren't they? But it was just it's just somewhere that I've always wanted to kind of go. So um that that first came to my mind so I just thought of that really 
Okay. If I wanted to join you as your plus one, you wouldn't say no, would you? I suppose not. <laughs> okay. And <laughs> um, what is your favourite activity to do solo? Probably, um, I like to go to the theatre sometimes on my own. So probably the theatre, go and see something. Sometimes when you want to see something and nobody else is available, you think, well, I don't want to miss out. So I still go. So it will probably just be to the theatre and enjoy myself that way. I like that. I'm also really bad when pe- I'm watching something with a friend, even if it's for the first time. If it's like really gripping, I'm the kind of person that will say, what's happening? What's going on? And they're like, I'm watching it at the same time you're watching it. So I don't know. So I completely understand that people just don't want to go with anyone else or with me. That makes complete sense. <laughs> um, Caroline, what is your dream solo travel destination and what is your favourite activity to do solo? I would probably say with the favorite holiday destination, I've always loved uh, Native American Indian spirituality. So I think I would probably say what was the old frontier, which now I believe is the reservations. But I would love to go and visit that old, you know, the Black Hills, Dakota, where the buffalo used to roam. And my favorite movie is Dances with Wolves. So I would love to see (laughs) I'd love to see that in real life, just where the teepees used to be and that whole romantic beautiful history of, of that of that, that that culture which I've, I've been passionate about since I was since I was very small so yeah that that would be a huge a dream come true definitely um I would love Sounds that incredible mm. yeah um, I would love that and would your activity be there as well activity which is your favorite thing to do but actually you? that's that's performing on the piano so because I've been composing music and playing the piano since I was four so when I'm in that sort of creative composition space or performing space that's definitely my favorite it's it's work but I don't I don't see it as a chore Mm. it's not really a job for me it's a passion so I think that's probably one of my favorite spaces to be in is that musical space creating and and sharing sharing music with others that's beautiful Mm -hmm. and did you say you've been composing since you were four that's right yeah I started very 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 that was a normal thing Wow. Yeah. Uh, I, was, I was very much like the Von Trapp family. I don't have was... seven brothers and sisters, but we, <laughs> <laughs> there are three of us and we, um, we grew up in a very musical household. So we just started very early, wow. which I'm so grateful for now because mm-hmm. that's, you know, to be able to have a career in music and composition. And thanks so much to my parents dropping me on the piano stool when I was two and, you know, <laughs> giving me that, giving uh-huh. me the, the freedom to learn and then having music at home. So it's, it's an incredible um, blessing. I feel very blessed to have that. Mm-hmm. that's lovely I really like that mm-hmm. they've taught you they taught you well from early yes discipline discipline <laughs> yes I I remember my, my sister is incredible on the piano and I I also mm. learned the piano not so incredible as an nice. adult because I just got bored with scales so I did my oh that is a big part of it the technique <laughs> done with it bored <laughs> hearing what the same thing over and over again well there is the ABRSM of actually you'll be you'll love to hear this they've introduced an exam format now where you just perform four pieces and there are no scales what so I think that's <laughs> for you <laughs> so you just do it in front of the camera at home you play four pieces <gasps> you tell the examiner what you're playing and you record and you submit and there are no scales so what? we need to promote that we I think to... I need to go back <laughs> yeah we're all agreed and yeah. go back to the piano no technique get back on the piano <laughs> <laughs> all right thank you all for sharing with me um so the article that we're discussing today is um Anne, you you wrote this article for us at womanalive.co.uk um and it you're talking about being widowed in your 50s and you kind of reflected on what it was like to be single again after um so many years of marriage 
Um, and there's a snippet of this article that we, our producers have asked you to read. So would you mind just reading that for us? Yeah, okay. So when I reflected after the service on singleness, I realised that the open wound caused by being torn asunder from my husband must have healed. And totting up my years of singleness from birth to marriage and widowhood, I have been 42 years single versus 32 married. Mm -hmm. I should be used to it by now. (laughs) Thank you, Anne. And so in your, in this article, you talk about being widowed in your early fifties, but having always kind of felt married. And so we're talking about now in this episode, learning to be single, but I want to ask, what does it feel? What do you mean? What does it feel like to be married? It feels like there's always someone there, either present or uh, somewhere that you would be in communion with, communicating with, um, either actually or or mentally or you're always thinking about that person, whether you're thinking about them or not. You know, there's that mm-hmm. constancy of, of, of another person being with you, I think. Um, and that took that's what took a long, long time to go, that mm-hmm. that feeling. And um I like that in this in this piece you talk about when you're tossing up the numbers of years you're being single, you mentioned, you know, before you were married, you're obviously single and then afterwards. Yeah. Did, was it difficult to go from like kind of being single before to being married? Was that an adjustment you had to make or did that seem a bit more seamless? Um well it it was all amongst a lot of being you know in love and and just wanting to be together so I I didn't really think about uh, the transition I just I just loved it you know yeah yeah all right um so Andrea and Caroline just want to kind of go to you now and um, ask about your experiences Are, are you both single at the moment yes yes I am okay uh Caroline what what has um I don't know if you'd even call your situation a season of singleness, which is the phrase mm. that we love using in the church. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, what, oh, actually, your reaction is now prompted to me yeah. to ask, like, what, what, is, what are your thoughts when you hear people say things like a season of singleness? I think sometimes it can sound like something's trending on social media, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, we, we don't do that with God. He's not trending. He's present. He's permanent. Um, so sometimes it, it sort of makes me smile. But, I, I you know, I understand the, the meaning of it. Um, but for me, um, I've, I left the convent now um, two and a half years ago, and I was looking at the consecrated life in the world. So where you're living, you're not living as a nun or a sister, you're a consecrated woman. So it's a little bit like um, the old mystics, Julian of Norwich, you know, the old. Yeah, it's that sort of that sort of life where you have a prayer life at home and you say the divine office um and then you have your your weekly mass sometimes weekday mass if you can so I I was looking at that for for a while after I after I came out the monastery and that's that is very much the single life where you still don't marry you're Mm -hmm. you're living you're living in the world but you belong to you belong to Jesus so it's like the bride of Christ title Mm -hmm. that you hear a lot as well um so that's something I've been processing but you mentioned being mm-hmm. in a nunnery. Um, That's right. What, so mm-hmm. talk, talk to us about that. Why Why did, what, you know, why, how, what happened? What was this experience wow. like? 
it's funny actually because a lot of people I wasn't raised in the Catholic Church and a lot of people say to me how did you get from no church background to a community of 24 nuns where it's a very very strict life and uh, people say did you go to convent school did you have bible school I had absolutely none of it except my my father's dad so that my granddad was ordained at Worcester Cathedral in the 60s so there was a vicar in the family but I didn't Mm -hmm. know what that was and I was growing up going why does granddad have a white collar around his neck what is that you know I (laughs) totally just had no no sort of idea of it it wasn't in the family in that way um but I think I'd always I'd not used Christian terminology because I wasn't raised with that but I always had time for solitude as a youngster I remember loving nature and loving being on my own and I started journaling as a teenager Um, So I was very sociable, but I also appreciated the still time. And I think I grew up with a huge love of God, but didn't use the word God, if you see what I mean. I wasn't wasn't coming from it in that way. Um, And in 2014, what what made me want to go to the convent was I saw a beautiful crucifix on a Carmelite video on YouTube. And it just pulled me so much to seeing Jesus on the cross without Mm -hmm. really knowing enough about what had happened at the crucifixion or the liturgy. I was just very, very drawn. So I went to visit the convent and started talking to the sisters. And then it just went, uh, most people do a pub crawl, but I did a convent crawl (laughs) around all, around all the places in the United Kingdom to find that one place that I could call home. Um, So when I was, um, when I was 35, I entered and lived with the sisters for five months to postulant. So it was, did you incredible think, incredible and, and, and did you always see it as a temporary thing or did you think oh, I had know. no idea it was totally trust the lord I gave up everything my job my car you know everything oh, going on here really had to plunge um you know people say it's like this is if you're jumping off a cliff mm-hmm. um but I I knew that I loved God and I wanted to see what he wanted for me so it was a case mm-hmm. of total abandonment to him and total trust that even if it didn't work out he would still be providing for me at the other end you know and that's exactly what happened so I went in there thinking it could be could be permanent, but of course you don't know until you till you really discern. So that okay. was the that was the point of the postulancy was to really see how how I would how I would go and how I would grow and yeah um, and then make the decision. And I made the decision five months after that it wasn't going to be a life a lifelong journey. So that's fascinating, mm-hmm. and I, and mm-hmm. it, I really like that um, you know. It's, uh, it, young women are seeing it as an option that is not um a last resort like oh fine I'm single I'll just join a nunnery like, oh no you can't do it like deliberate. that deliberate no. yeah no. a no. deliberate it's got um, to be an it's got to be an honest response to the call it's got the call is you know a lot of sisters and nuns will say that they didn't choose it I did not choose that I was in the middle of music mm-hmm. the Lord speaks and you know from from prayer and from experience in in silence it's not something you can ignore he kept niggling and niggling and mm. niggling until I finally went okay Lord let's do this yeah and that was you know it's irresistible it's that dynamic you know uh it's very personal and that I know I couldn't couldn't say no to Jesus I mean come on it's Jesus <laughs> <laughs> it, had, it had to be a, a complete yes um yeah. and I... that's yeah I loved it mm. Interesting. And and Andrea, what is your kind of experience or or, um, experience with understanding singleness? Because I understand you're an an author and you support young women who are going through, who are going through singleness, who are single. Uh, But what has your kind of experience been? Yeah, I mean, you you interestingly talked about the word season 
And you, sometimes you can answer yourself, how long does a season last? Yeah. Because I've been in my single season for four decades now. So okay. I've, been, I've been single in my 20s, in my 30s, in my 40s and in my 50s. And mm -hmm. so every season has been different. Um, and, and the older I get, the 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 way it just changes um, in terms of sometimes I think, well, I'm OK. Do I really need someone? And then I just hear the Lord say to me, are you really serious? Do you really mean that? Because, you know, you don't. <laughs> and I say, uh, yeah. I say, no, no, I don't. But what else should I say? What else should yeah. I ask you? You know, and sometimes and sometimes you're kind of going backwards and forwards. But I've always mm -hmm. had a good positive um um outlook in my singleness I've never mm. been depressed I've never been down about it I've, I've sometimes I've just said to the Lord you know um really is you know sometimes you just say really is this you know am I going to be single forever but at the same time he's given me a bit like when um Moses was you know when he needed strength and he needed someone to lift his arms up like Aaron and her and I feel like God has given me these scriptures that he has um used to uphold me and one of them is my favorite and it's my life scripture and I'm sure it's a lot of people's but Jeremiah 29 11 which says mm. I know the plans I have for you and every time I read think about being single I'm thinking but God said he knows the plans he has for me and he says that, that they're good and and they are to prosper me and to give me life so that keeps me uplifted and then there's another scripture Psalms 84 verse 11 which says no good thing will he withhold from those that walk uprightly and I think if you know you're walking uprightly and if you know that you're in God and doing all that you should be doing then you don't have to worry you don't have to think to yourself has he got someone for me because if he told you that he did then he does and but then you have to trust him and that's what my um my my singleness has been about it's about just trusting and believing him and because I really do believe that he's got my best interest at heart then I can think to myself I've given that to God. I've given my singleness to God and I'm I'm just believing. And I, I know it's going to be divine. I don't have to be dating a whole load of different people, but I know that I can wait and I can be satisfied. And so that's where I am really. And so that's what I try to teach the youngsters as well. I want them to know that they, they don't just have to, they don't have to put their life on hold. That's the, when I wrote my book, that's what I wanted. I, that's the message I wanted to bring across. And what's what's the book that you wrote? Uh, it's called, that? Yeah, it's called um, Insightful Tips for the Unique for the Unique Mature Single, and basically it's about tips whereby we can um, we don't have to um, be sitting there thinking about marriage all the time, but we can go out there and we can just be the very best we are. And you were talking about the solo destinations and things like that. You know, it's about if that's what you want to do. If you want to travel, go out there and travel. And just really celebrate life because if I had, I mean, I wanted to get married when I was 19. And if I had put my life on hold, I would have never visited half of the countries, you know, or mm. seen the things. I would have never had this really vibrant life that I have. And I'm so thankful that that's what I did, that I, that God showed me that we can live our lives. And so that's what I would want others to do, to just live their lives. And Joyce, Joyce Mayer says, you know, celebrate where you are on the way to where you're trying to get to and so if that's marriage is what you desire then you know you can do what you need to do while you wait for that but your life doesn't have to be on hold and um, and sometimes people people just put everything on hold just waiting to be married mm. and I don't think that that's what God wants of us
you sound so um so full of energy and passionate about mm. life which is really encouraging because I think like just as you say I think it can be quite tempting to think oh I'll do that when yeah. I've, I've got mm. this person or, or married or with or have met someone or dating someone yeah. um and I know there are people who might feel maybe a bit f- afraid to do things by themselves so it's mm. it's really lovely and encouraging to hear, I mean all of you because you're all uh, single at the moment to just hear like how much energy you have in in this type while you are single yeah. um, and can you just talk about a little bit about how you navigated that um journey from being married to being single again um well i i suppose what what i did in retrospect but i didn't realize it was happening was that i um i went um i set off on my own <laughs> and oh, went to a, a different uh, part of the country and set up a life there yeah. um because um, I was actually pursuing um, something else. I was wanting to go and live, um, live and work in a in a community, a Christian community. I did actually have a thought about being a nun at one point, but oh, all my friends laughed themselves off the chairs. So <laughs> <laughs> I a nun, so yep. I, did, I put that as the word from the Lord and said, oh, okay. So I went to live in a, a community uh, of people with uh, learning difficulties, um, and that was um, was a, a blessing, and, and it took me to um, East Anglia, where I, I, I had never lived before. And I was totally unknown. I say in my piece, I was totally unknown there. So I was only known there as me, as Anne. Mm-hmm. I didn't have um, an Anne an, 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 and, and they didn't know about my family or anything, unless, unless they asked me about it at all. But it was just quite novel and quite um, affirming for me as a person in my, in my own right. Um, and I do say um, it's not for everyone. I mean, it seemed a bit drastic at the time and um, my family weren't uh, uh, well pleased because I took myself about nine hours from everybody. Um, but it, for me, it was it, it made me into a sort of whole person again, I think, in, in retrospect. So that was very, very helpful. And, and also, obviously, uh, learning about people with learning problems and, you know, being able to communicate and live with them was just a wonderful opportunity and that stayed with me throughout my life and that's set my life on a completely different route through to um fostering and Mm. and um, you know support supportive teaching and things like this it's um just incredible how god has moved me through but i didn't have a plan he sort of moved me through it you know and kept Mm -hmm. throwing stuff in my way and i'm i i'm the sort of sort of oh that sounds good (laughs) 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 see that (laughs) And, and then it's at the door and it bangs in my face. I think, oh, well, it wasn't that one. Then. You know, so it's, it's a crash bang wallop, I think, is my, my way of <laughs> And it, so that kind of gave you a fresh start physically moving to a new area where, as you say, there was no history of Anne and other. It was just you came as yourself by yourself and that's what people knew you. Yes, yes. I don't know whether that would suit everybody. Um, it, it was nothing and no reflection on my marriage which was very strong it was just I think it was so strong that I found it very difficult to operate in our old haunts as as only half of it you know so it's easier for me um and Caroline I want to ask you a question that's just maybe a little bit personal now so Mm. are are you um 
do you expect or you, do you want to meet someone or get married or what are your thoughts now? Yeah, there has been a, a sense of, I think this was back in spring. So when I decided not to pursue the consecrated life, it was coming through very strongly from the spirit quite a few times. And I, I tested it and I talked to the the nuns at the, the community in Arundel in West Sussex. Um, I have a, a sister there, Sister Geraldine, who I sort of have sort of mentor sessions with and she she said, give it time, give it time, you know, see, see what the Lord is really saying. And it kept coming up this, this huge feeling of wanting to share my love of God with another person, with a partner that kept coming up. And it really surprised me because it hadn't been sitting there at all. It was just the convent life. And then what can I do as a, as a single Christian woman and how can I help in the world? But then it just started to change to, I would love to, to now share share my love of God with a partner and then be open to having a family again, which is something I hadn't grown up thinking about. My best friends were all babies, babies, marriage when we were at university. And I was just like, nope, crucifixion, Bible. You know, it, I was just completely different. <laughs> nobody, nobody would think I would ever, you know, have children. And um, it's funny talking about the convent because people, people have always said to me, you know, you're like Maria Von Trapp from The Sound of Music. You know, I run around with my guitar and singing and love, <laughs> love children. But it, yeah. it never, it never spoke. I get, you know, um, the Lord does things in his own time. And I think only now I'm more ready than, say, I was a few years ago. So it's just another part of my journey. So I think the desire is definitely there now. I would, I would say, um, I hope that that's, that may come. The Lord is sort of, showing me that that's that's possibly the path that I'm not meant to do this work and my my life by myself you know it's Mm. having it's sharing that and being with somebody who's equally passionate about God um and uh absolutely yeah so it's it's changing and and it's amazing but it's also quite surprising because yeah because I know like and Andrea was saying you know that there's that sense of God is enough you know Mm -hmm. and he absolutely is enough and to even think but does being with somebody else mean I'm now saying that Jesus is not enough? <laughs> you know, it's not that we, we can have both. We can yeah. absolutely have both. And so it's just realizing that I don't love God less if I'm with somebody. It would make me love him more, you know, I think. So it's just kind of looking at that emotionally because it's been quite hard, actually, to to have that sort of change of it might be two and not not just me. So. Mm. Mm-hmm. I, I um there's so much just we could say this conversation um I have to draw this to a close shortly because we're running out of time but what I find really interesting speaking and hearing from all of you is that um this kind of linear idea that we have in the world and as Christians that you are single and then you get married as if it's like mm-hmm. first half single mm-hmm. second half married like that mm-hmm. just that's just not the case at all there mm-hmm. is so much mm-hmm. of like some people get married and then get divorced I'm divorced and I get married again or they Mm -hmm. divorce and stay Mm -hmm. single or Mm -hmm. and you might be bereaved and stay single or you might be single for most of your life and then get married or not Mm -hmm. there are so many different ways of kind of seeing these different like stages of our lives and what I love about all of you I said earlier is that you all seem very content with where you are and that seems like it's because you are rooted in Christ and where you are it's Mm -hmm. it's it doesn't feel like you've got anything hanging on the situation that you're in mm-hmm. um, and it sounds like you've all been quite surprised when God is saying things to you like mm-hmm. Andrea you mm-hmm. said when God said to you don't you know, almost like don't lie to yourself don't say you, know, <laughs> you don't want to be single because you don't yeah. and Caroline now God's saying mm-hmm. to you like you know have you considered this could be mm-hmm. you know there's this other mm-hmm. thing and 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 be taken to a whole new area it's yeah. it's it's really encouraging to know um, and I think for our listeners as well that the stages where we're at are so important and they are 
it's so important that we are present where we are in the stages that we're at in terms of our relationship mm-hmm. status and where we are in life and and they don't if we if we needed to be in a different relationship status we would be, we would be in that for for god to do the work he needs to do yeah. um do any of you have any closing thoughts on this because i know there are people who are gosh we, our listeners are from 20s up to kind of 80s 90s mm-hmm. there are people who might be finding singleness very difficult whether or not they've been single for a long time or they're very mm-hmm. young or they're divorced mm-hmm. or bereaved whatever do you mm-hmm. have does any of you have anything you want to kind of say just to really like as a, a last note to really encourage mm. people I think I would be very drawn to say to keep listening absolutely keep listening to the spirit because that's where we get our counsel and our guidance coming straight from God it's direct in prayer and I, I learned that in the monastery that if you block the Lord you know you, you'll get much further if you stay attentive so I would just encourage people to keep listening and take a couple of minutes in a couple of minutes every day, you know, really try to be disciplined, make the time to just be open to the Lord and, and really, really just listen because that's it's 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 just priceless, you know, when the when the Lord speaks and you allow him to speak. Yeah. So I definitely say that, keep listening. Thanks, and I'd also say that, you know, being single doesn't mean that you're not a whole person. It doesn't mean mm. that you're there waiting to be married because marriage is the be all and end all. Mm. Not. As you were saying, Tola, it's it's a stage that you it's a transition that you go through. And so I don't want individuals to feel like they just don't matter to God because they're single. Because they do, they they're unique and they're who God has made them to be. And there are so many reasons why maybe they should not be married right now. Mm-hmm. Along the line, God's got it for them. And when and when they get to that later in the line, they're gonna say, Thank you, Jesus, that mm-hmm. I waited because because now I know why. So at the moment, there there are so many things that we don't know. But I just don't want people to think that they that they're not whole or they don't matter mm. or singleness is a it's a second class. They're not second class citizens at all. We're all you know we are all one in Christ, and, and I want them to realize that. Yeah, I would. I'd like to say that um, we do change um, over time, and um, in our a uh, perspective about being on our own and on and the future and everything and and I don't think I th- it's it's helpful not to sort of make a a statement that God um, has got to fight against if you know what I mean mm. you know well, I'm I'm never going to get married again or um, I'm always going to be single you know um, just just think well I'm, I might feel differently in uh, five years time and let's just wait for what God has to say rather than mm-hmm. us dictate the area you know mm-hmm. That's- yeah the woman alive podcast with Tola Dole Fisher Thank you. Thank you all so much. Um, we are now going to move on to the next segment of the podcast where we get you to answer or help um, answer a reader question that's been sent in to us about sex and relationships. So I'm going to read this question out. And this question has been sent in to us with everything I'm giving you. We have no other context. So mm-hmm. in your answer, you um, try not to assume anything that has not been not been said. Mm-hmm. Um, this question is: um, I hang out with the guy. At, I hang out with a guy at church. How do I know if he fancies me or thinks I'm just a friend? And this is the letter that came in or email. Sorry. 
Hi, Woman Alive. I would love it if your panel could help me work out if a guy at my church likes me. We talk a lot and he always seems pleased to see me. Sometimes he WhatsApps me with jokes or sends me memes on Instagram. We grabbed coffee before church once before, but I don't think it was a date. He didn't say it was and he never asked me again. It seems like the fun and laughter is all there and we both love Jesus, but it's been 10 months and he's not asked me out. I don't Mm. get it. (laughs) (laughs) Anne's laughing. Anne, I would love to... What's what's your response? I think 10 months is a long time. (laughs) I was about to say that. (laughs) That was a red flag. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I, I was very, very blessed and we both knew immediately we saw each other. That was it. You know, it was like that. And so I've not experienced anything else. So I, I, that's my, my standard, but my bar, you know, but I do think it, you should have some sort of idea, um, in a few months, <laughs> if not a few weeks. Um, if, if you're going to really make a, a good, you know, relationship, that's what you want to do first, isn't it? Are you communicating well and having a good relationship? And are you laughing a lot? And then, you know, if 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 it's a bit pushy on your side, it, it, I don't know. I think you should start thinking. Perhaps it's not me, not for me. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, she says they laugh a lot and stuff, but you're yeah. saying ten months and nothing. Then it's probably not. No, I would. Well, I'm I'm impatient. <laughs> <laughs> well, it works for it worked for you. Maybe we all need to be more yeah. impatient. Um, Andrea, what do you have anything to? Yeah, I I would have to agree with Anne. It definitely sounds like that's the friend zone. And the reason I say that, because guys are real, they're real quite quick on knowing who they like and who they would want to be with. They're very, very quick. And as as hunters, they like to go after the prey, so to speak. Did you you just call our Christian brothers hunters? Hunters. Yeah, absolutely. Knowing the prey. No, I, I I believe that um, they've got a friendship, and I think that if he wanted to take it any more if, and onto the next level, he would have said, he would have made it known, and um, I think she should have said, uh, 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 if she likes him in that way, I think she should have said a lot earlier than ten months. She should just say like, like, where's this going? Because at the same time, you just don't want to waste each other's time, especially mm. if you really want to have someone. I think we should date with intention, and. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's nothing being said in that way, then then it's okay that they can be friends, but I won't give you that much time, all of my time, if you see what I mean, in a sense, to because I because I would like to leave that for the person who I want to spend the rest of my life with, and we, and we build a relationship that way. So I definitely think that's the friend zone. Ten months is quite a lot, a long time. It it is a long time, and um, so you kind of say it seems with this reader that she's. She, it seems like, I'm just reading again, she hasn't said if she likes him, has she? <laughs> She's just asking if he likes her. I think it's something we do, we can do as women, is we can mm. kind of, we we wait to be asked and we want the man to be the one to tell us what's happening, what's going mm. on. But as you mm. said, Andrew, she could have said at the beginning, mm. Mm-hmm. I like I like you, but it's quite a scary thing, I think, to put yourself mm-hmm. out there without knowing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not so much I like you, it's like, where's this going? You just want to, you just want to know the, you know, you just want to know what the limitations and boundaries are so that mm-hmm. you can act in accordance with what's going on. Because if mm-hmm. it's friendship, then that's good because then she doesn't have to wonder in her mind to take this deeper, have deeper thoughts and deeper connections. She can hold back on her, um, you know, on her thoughts 
uh, if it's just a friendship and she can think, okay, well, I'm just being a friend to him. So I think it's, that's what I meant really. What do you think, Caroline? Yeah, it's funny. I, I agree with um, Andrea just saying that not to not to be wasting each other's time and to actually be a little bit bold and just say, actually, what what do you think? And not be afraid to, because like you were just saying, we women wait for men. And I think that that's been that's been huge recently when when women are now saying, you know, take take charge and don't wait for the man. Don't wait for the prince on the horse, you know, ask the question and not to be afraid of your own. It's not directness in a bad way. I think women need to know that they, you know, our opinion, our thoughts, it's all incredibly uh, valued and valid and equal. Um, and we should. I had a similar situation with a with a man at church and it ended up just being friendship. It was the laughing and it was the joking. And you think, oh, is there a is there a spark? And then eventually we were both like, no, there isn't. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's just the friendship zone. But then you've got a best friend and you yeah. go to mass together and it, it it's beautiful. But yeah, I, I, I definitely agree that you you shouldn't wait, 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 wait like that, you know, because god can bring you bring you with a other people so absolutely so we think 10 months is is uh is a clear sign that's been quite a long time probably friend zone how is there a is there a time limit we can say a sensible time to to wait to give someone a chance to let us know if they like us or not what is it what's a good time length that's difficult to put time on it because everybody's different (laughs) everybody's thoughts and feelings work in a different way some people might say a week some people might say a month Um, I think you as Anne was saying you you just know when you have an instant connection with somebody if you both know then it then it works but maybe I think you always know do you think it's always very clear I don't think it is always very clear and I think people can uh, go from friendship to a, a relationship like that Mm. but but um there's all sorts of things in the mix um and you know a lot of a lot of people want are are shy um male or female and they feel as though if they're asking questions like that then it's it's a bit sort of pushy and you know might Mm -hmm. put you off I mean there's all that going into it it just felt that like 10 months was um, you know you could have had a baby by that now (laughs) (laughs) it's nearly a year (laughs) (laughs) you know I know there's not a time limit as such, but I would say about like, um, I would say three to four months, because if this person is, if you're spending every day on the phone with this person, I don't know, I don't know if that's what people do every day, but if you're doing it every day, three to four months, you need to, he should know by now how he feels about you, because you would have talked about so many different things in those three to four months. Exactly. You get to know each other really well. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you so much. I hope that that uh, if that reader is listening, that she has been helped. And I think I hope that anyone else is listening has been helped as well. You guys have been amazing. It's been great speaking with you. Thank you so much. And Andrea and Caroline. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Join me next time where I'll be speaking with three more incredible women about real life and real things. For more inspiring conversations, articles and opinions, head to womanalive.co.uk. Woman Alive. Real women, real lives, real faith.